0: Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, Season 2, Episode 8, and I am your host and Chief Data Protection Chef, Demetrius Malbro. And I am honored to bring you more gumbo of insights and information about data protection today. And today I introduce to you, Brendan Sullivan, who has an extensive history in data storage and retrieval spanning over 30 years. Then he created the first one gigabyte native capacity 3490E tape cartridge. Yeah, Um, he is currently the CEO at Sullivan Strickler LLC, the company he formed with Sean Strickler in 2013, a company dedicated to provide access to the world's legacy data. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the show. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Gumbo. Brendan, how are you? I'm very well
1: nice to be here. Thanks, Demetrius.
0: Awesome. Let's go ahead and jump right into the questions that we have lined up today for you. So what type of business and legal data availability issues that some of your clients have or have had to deal with?
1: Um, So we work heavily on legacy data, uh, which for us, that means that we're working on data that it's not typically part of a, a, a kind of a backup routine. It's data that's been backed up at some point in time and, uh, clients, uh, might have to produce it for, for some reason or other. Um, and you know, so with it being old data that, uh, historically might, uh, might end up being tape backups or some other platform, that it's been backed up uh, um, a lot of the times the clients might not know what they have, whether they have it, uh, where it is, how to find it, um, that kind of thing. So it, it's often a, a large amount of data that needs to be sifted through. And so it, the type of problems that the that, that clients might run into with that are whether or not the people skills and the knowledge and expertise from data that they might have created 10, 15, 20 years ago is still available. Um, uh, those people might have moved on to different departments or different companies. Um, whether or not the, the environments are still there, um, access to the backup software that was used at the time, uh, the applications that ran, the type of data that they, they need to produce or they need to find again. And uh, to a lesser extent, but are still relevant, um, you know, whether or not the hardware even exists, whether or not uh, tape drives and devices and other backup environments have actually moved on and, and that's gone. So often the data that's residing on whatever the storage medium is uh, exist long after the infrastructure is either available or expertise to run that infrastructure is available. So effectively, you know what we do is we replace that lost expertise, that that resource and that knowledge and and uh, the skill sets on how to go about finding that data and producing it.
0: Okay, so I guess kind of rolling into the into the second question here, I'm kind of backtracking. Um, Sullivan Strickler. So I guess what what would you say is, is an ideal client for for you guys?
1: Um, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so an ideal client would typically be somebody that that's had a, a, a tape history, meaning that, uh, they either have had in the past or they are still using, uh, tape for either backup or archive or some means it doesn't necessarily have to be tape, but historically, you know, that's where we cut our teeth on in, uh, in, in creating uh, software that enables, uh, the restoration of data from from backup environments. So I think it would be uh, a company that either has had or still has large amounts of of data that's residing on tape. Um, They, uh, like many companies and data centers that have, or companies that have had fairly decent sized data centers over the years, they want to reduce those costs. And a lot of the legacy costs are hard to get rid of. Um so you know typically if a company is is creating data let's say in two thousand and five and then they evolve to create though that that more new data let's say in two thousand and eighteen they 've got maybe they 've gone to the cloud or they 've gone to some other kind of backup environment these days um they still might be paying for a large amount of uh infrastructure and and skills that that uh, that they put in place back in that 2005 period when they created the data. So right. I think they want to reduce costs. Um, they have tapes and um, they have to respond to data, responds quickly, whether or not it be for business regulatory or, or, or litigation needs. Um, but so they they're kind of uh, held to maintaining a lot of that legacy, yeah. legacy uh, uh, skill sets and and equipment and software around, but they they're struggling to do it. So, an ideal client would be somebody in that mode that, uh, that would need our, need our expertise.
0: Okay, great. Yeah. So I guess as far as getting into tape services, so, so how did this all evolve and I guess how long ago and what were you guys thinking? Uh, you know, cause a lot of people were probably, um, you know, maybe 20 years from now sitting back, you know, tape, tape was at, at, at the height, I guess at the, um, at the, tipping point as far as being a, a very solid, very good medium uh, to use because there was really, you know, nothing else to use at the time. But now, um, you know, things are, are really changing a lot. So, so how did you get into tape services and what's the history there?
1: So for me, it's, it's quite a while. And I often uh, joke with people that uh, I'm wondering if, if my entire working career will start and finish with tape. Um, I, I personally started in, in the manufacturer of tape back in 1984, 1985. Wow. So quite some time now. And, uh, you know, and that's when we started hearing that, that tape is dead. And it's now, now 20, 2018. <laughs> so clearly, uh, you know, we're still hearing the same messages. Um, but what it, what it was for, for me and the company that I worked with back then is we were manufacturers of tape. And, uh, you know, we would build um, and in some cases design certain elements of, of backup tapes relating to round reel and 3480, 3490, enterprise level type tape technology. And we also got involved in the early stage development uh, of DLT tape cartridges um, and its predecessor, TK50 and TK52. Um, so it was always the, 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 the design, if you like, the build. Uh, and the production of, of of tape, and and as as we got towards the end of the '90s and, and early 2000s, it was it was pretty clear that the commitment to developing next level of tape technology, as it was the LTO consortium came about around about 98, 99, um, and some of the more modern uh, tape products that were being designed and developed then, it required deeper pockets and, and more commitment to the development of that technology. And uh, so the Sonys and the Fujifilms and TDKs of this world, um, you know, had had greater resources and commitment to development of, of the next level technology and, and the company that I worked for at the time didn't. So at that point, we had to reinvent ourselves. And uh, one of the ideas, if you like, that came came to us was data recovery of data from tapes and that. Data recovery ended up evolving into restoration of data, and and it was right at the time um, in the early two thousands when some of the initial e discovery matters that uh, that that became you know fairly well known um, that required getting data off tape for services was right at the same time that we were developing techniques to be able to. Migrate data, restore data, move it from one platform to another—that kind of thing. So it, it really evolved. It was more by by accident, and and I, I guess around about 2002, 2003, we started to realize that uh, the future was in services for us and not in manufacture. So we we set about closing down the manufacture side and and investing in evolving and and enhancing our our skills in in the data side related to backups. So,
0: okay, awesome, and. Obviously, right now, um, security is, is a really sticky, sticky topic right now, and uh, ransomware is, um, is not slowing down anytime soon. I think I just heard about city of, uh, of Atlanta. <laughs> Actually, e- experienced some woes recently here with that. Um, so, leading into that, I guess, how has the increased security of data concerns a- affected uh, your business?
1: I would say positively and negatively, um, so our business um, we we have a a high availability vault that that doubles as a data center. um so the majority of our projects, certainly in in the southeast um, work out of that vault and and the 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 business concept is that uh, it's it's a a vault level secure facility that we also offer services out of. So we, we retire backup environments um, or extract uh, databases from clients' backup environments and host them in this vault at the same and, and often take the backup tapes with them so that it's a single, single facility offering the service of ad hoc restores to our clients. So on, on the positive side, um, it's good because clients are, are, are nervous about moving tapes you know, the rotational aspect, the retention aspect, uh, move it back and forth on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, we've heard of risks of data loss and actual data loss events happening. So the idea that a, that a client can put their archive and legacy data in a single facility um, and get data as and when they need it without the risk of their corporate data ever moving, from that perspective, it's a real boon for us you know it, it's uh it, it it actually plays right into what we're providing we 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 become le- you know we're less risky than the moving data and um and it's in a very very secure uh soon to be iso 27001 certified facility. so so it's it's that's good for us i think the the tough side um which is just you know par for the course is encryption obviously encryption with uh, uh backup tapes as as become increasingly popular um right with companies and there's you know this there's, there's three levels of encryption typically there's you know devices that are third-party devices that encrypt data which are uh thankfully from my perspective kind of a uh, uh, waning away because they just add a whole level of unknown complexity when it comes to discovery that is often just unknown um but then so- you know software uh encryption and library encryption is is obviously uh Prevalent, but when when we're performing discovery of data from backup tapes, um, sometimes you know if they're they're encrypted. Sometimes you don't know they're encrypted, and and if they're encrypted, then then it requires you know more interaction um, with with the the, the department uh, or the people that actually created those backups to be able to provide the service. So that can that can make it more uh, more tricky. But by and large, I would say it, it, it's positive for us. Okay.
0: Great. So, so when it when it comes to to email data, uh, let's say email data stored on on I guess on backup tapes. So, uh, how do you provide access to I guess the legacy data, and w- why is it important to I guess for companies to really consolidate some of their la- legacy email stores and just kind of do do that consolidation?
1: So, uh, often email is is the the portion of a of a backup that either wants to be maintained or has to be maintained uh, for whether or not it's for regulatory or litigation purposes or even just for business. So so that's a, uh, you know, it's probably, I would say, by far the most prevalent section of, of data that gets backed up that has to be maintained and, and given access to. Um, we've, we approach it from a slightly different aspect than, than, than many of our competitors and many other companies. Um, Obviously, Office 365 is the is the go-to place largely uh, for, for future cloud-based email storage, and um, And to be able to provide access to emails from older systems um, requires a migration to that platform. And uh, migrations are never that easy. Um, most companies uh, of a certain size. Might have gone through an exchange environment. They might have gone through, you know, they'll have maybe webmail type, uh, type email environments. Others, Mimecast. There's, there's, there's many out there, um, and the the decision to to restore them to a certain uh, to a certain level of 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 uh, accuracy and make sure that metadata is intact, and then migrate those uh, archives to a single platform. It, it's often a Big challenge. It often takes time. It often has bandwidth concerns, especially if it's uh, cloud-based uh, email archives. So, and, th- and there's a good business out there for, for many providers to to entertain that. Um, because we work partly in the business side and partly in the discovery, the more legal side. Um, what we do is we we don't necessarily advocate migration to the new platform. Uh, we we advocate migration to um a separate platform um and and in, in that we have a an environment called lea it it uh it's an acronym acronym standing for legacy email archive repository so we we put any uh email environment whether it be exchange or webmail or whatever or notes even for that matter um wherever they come from we put them in our own private cloud lea environment and uh, the application is is part uh, part hosting of legacy email, but also part early case assessment tool, uh, where we can provide basic culling, filtering, uh, capability searching, and then production of data from that environment to out into its, uh, native message format or as a PSD or even as a relatively low file for, um, for a litigation review platform. And, um, so our, I think because we're not accepting new email into that environment. It's a static environment. Um, so it's a much lower cost uh, type of uh, infrastructure for a client that can still maintain their legacy emails, consolidate their legacy email environments, and not necessarily have the headaches, if you like, of migration to their to their new platform. You know, they're not, the reality is, is they're not going to be using and accessing the legacy email um, platform anywhere near to the extent that they would their a new go-to platform, so it, it it makes it makes sense from a cost perspective, and also provides some functionality for for use on a uh, on an as-needed basis. So that, that that's our approach.
0: Okay, great. Yeah, that that sounds like it can get very complicated, and um, I'm sure that there are probably many scenarios as far as um, migrating off of a, a legacy backup environment and kind of migrating over to a new one and you say you don't recommend to actually, um, kind of migrate to, from, from one to the other. I forgot your exact statement, but
1: you, you did mention something yeah, about but, uh, that. Go ahead. And I would say that's, I was, I would say that, you know, that is specific to, to email. Um, okay. I think for in, 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 many, in many cases though, if it, if it was a broader backup question, um, in many cases, I think I think client, you know, clients see this utopia of, of I need to migrate my old environment to my new environment, and uh, you know, perhaps the thought process of what you re- what do you really need? I think in many cases, they just need to know what they have, and they need to know how to go and get it, and and uh, and if they if we provide them with tools as to what they have, and we reduce costs and burden of Maintaining their legacy environments, uh, but we give them online access to what they have uh, at a at a file level, without necessarily going through the the immediate costs of migration. Um, we're finding that clients much much prefer that solution, and then and then the data can be allowed to die when it's ready to die. Um, it's not a cost-effective solution to to migrate at great cost large amounts of data, whether or not they're email or whether or not they're on backup tape um, to an environment that you know two years later is going to be past its retention period anyway and they no longer need it. Um, all of a sudden then you've got data you don't want with all the incumbent risks that, that that includes. So, um, you know, our business is very much, um, let us look after it. Let us tell you what you have and let us produce what you want when you want it. No more, no less. And, and that's the cost effective way to go forward, I think.
0: Okay, great. And you, you, also mentioned, um, Regulatory compliance uh, in there a a while back, but I want to know I guess how important is the method that you use uh, for companies when it comes to let's say like a like a litigation um, litigation request or something like that
1: by method you mean the the, the method of uh, of restoration of, of data yes
0: yes um i guess if they have a litigation request uh, request what is your your method to assist them with uh with that request so um that process we
1: yeah we we, we develop uh, software that um might be termed non-native file restoration technology and 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 what the best way for me to describe that is if if, if a uh, an OEM software provider uh, such as a Semantic or a Computer Associates or whatever if they if they um, if they provide a backup environment and the IT department of a company builds or has built for them that backup environment then that's the native environment um, and then when data is pushed to tape or any other backup medium for that matter from that environment. Then you know they have the files on the, their backup environments, and sometimes those files are backed up in a simple way, maybe a single instance backup store, backup environment, a single instance backup tape, or or they could be backed up um, with some level of complexity, like a multi-threaded environment where different servers and different uh, and different portions of backup streams are. are are in place on, on tapes, different, different backup sessions are in place on the same tape or even multiple tapes. And even stripes, like similar to a RAID type environment, but there's a RAID random array of interdependent tape and environment. So there's some, there's some complexity. And if you want to restore data from those native, native environments, you have really fundamentally two different approaches to go about it. You can, you can rebuild a native environment Um, which can be extremely costly. And if you have a unique environment that Data Center 2 doesn't have and you have to rebuild it, then that's got a great deal of cost. Um, Or you can tackle those problems non-natively, which is primarily the way that we do it. So we write code that enables us to get data off those tapes um, uh, completely, uh, defensively, all of the different various ways of, of backing up uh, data to tape. Um, and then we can go fast and wide on those environments. So Our, our approach is to use that, that technology. And we've, we've developed a, a product called TRACS It stands for Tape Restoration and Cataloging System. Right. And uh, multiple, you know, we have 30, 40, 50 different backup environment back environments that we can handle the data on tape that have been backed up in those environments, put it in app, Put it in the tape drive or tape libraries and restore that data. And the the, the real value of doing it this way, apart from the fact that you can, you can go fast and wide and therefore keep costs down, are that you can have different levels of interrogation de, de, uh, into the data depending on how you want to go. And in, in most cases, um, metadata is the way to go. Uh, restoration of complete data can be expensive. So we have the ability to extract just metadata, just things like header, header type information related to the tape that might show what when the backup was, session level information, you know what servers might have been employed in the original backup, um, and also fi- full file metadata type extraction. And then, so when we extract just that metadata, we we host it on on a web portal uh, called Inveneer, uh, which is again our own our own product. And then we share that with the client and we give user access and login so they can actually scan through very, very quickly, find files, find backup sessions, find messages, find where the servers are backed up. And then it'll pinpoint the exact tapes that we need to go and get and, and, and perform a restore from. So um, it, it's a by and large, it's a much more cost effective way than than uh, than rebuilding the native environment
0: okay awesome so wh- one final question for you maybe it's not a question um i guess uh looking for advice for anyone that is in the process or in the near future of i guess getting ready to retire a uh, a legacy backup environment what, what what advice would you give them or any kind of tips or uh, anything you can do to kind of steer them in the right direction
1: i i think it's a consulting answer um i i you know we we've learned that that no two uh, data centers or no two companies have, have have built history of of handling their backups and archives in the same way, uh, and therefore there's no kind of a canned solution that we would recommend. Um, I, I I definitely avoid just immediately going for the um, the migration route. Um, you know, migration can be great, but uh, but it can also be very costly, as I've mentioned. So I think really rather than give you a, 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 a single line piece of wisdom that I might have because I don't have it, I would, I would <laughs> just say, you know, let, let's have a consultation. Let's have a, let's have a discussion about what you've got, why you've got it, how long you want to keep it, why do you need to keep it, what portions of it do you need to keep, and how long do you need to keep it for. And, um, you know, if we have maybe those basic questions um, understood and uh, obviously, what your system is and and uh, what kind of environment it, it, its it's built up and evolved over the years, um, then we could probably recommend how to how to best go about retiring retiring it with uh, with some level of uh, of grace, I suppose.
0: Okay, that's exactly what I was looking for. I'm sure that, that that'll be helpful for for someone right you you got to dig into all the details as to um, you know what are you going to need to do and how are you're going to need to do it. You know, all the little nitty-gritty details. So, absolutely. Yeah. So, I, I do appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, to jump on the show here. And uh, I'm hoping the audience was able to get something out of it, um, including Tape is Not Dead, right? It's still a no, lot of you no. Know, no. kicking.
1: <laughs> I it's, think... just, it's just an archive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and I think they just released, what, LTO-8 not too
1: long ago? I saw, I saw LTO eight uh, announcement, I think in the last week or two, um, you know, we, we typically get asked to restore data um, one generation ago. So we've, we've recently been asked to restore some LTO seven data. So that must be about the right. You now, I think if I can just kind of close out on tape, um, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, uh, there are some, there are some fundamentally great reasons why it, it's a go-to technology. It, it's It's, Clear that the the channel is as narrow to a certain extent, um but in terms of portability and security, it's your hard push to beat it um, and in in terms of for evidence and discovery, it's really uh, the whole forensic and e-discovery world is all about defensibility and on a on a tape cartridge, you have Perfect defensibility. All of the metadata is intact. It's all unmodified whenever you pick up that tape. So it's really a a perfect piece of evidence. And of course, it's cost per megabyte or cost per gigabyte, as the measure is these days. It's, to my mind, it's still uh, far and away uh, the cheapest. So portable, secure, great evidence, low cost. Um, It's clear, you know, I'm not disguising I'm a tape advocate for sure. (laughs) Well,
0: I, I have nothing else to add to that. Uh, that, that was an awesome closing. So um, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Thank you well, so much. Thank you for coming on the show, Brendan. And um, until next time.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you, Demetrius.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. I appreciate each and every one of you. I would like for you to check out the website, dataprotectiongumbo.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Dmalbro, or you can uh, link up with me on LinkedIn. Thank you so much. Have a great one.